Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 256. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by one of the marvelous members of the Blueprint Live Online Instructor crew. We are talking about building an MCAT schedule. We're going to have a few episodes in this series about building a schedule, both from a a broad overview, a high-level overview of building a schedule, and then from a three-month kind of schedule, a six-month kind of schedule, and, uh, and and others, because this is a very common question, or these questions are very common, in terms of how do I create a schedule? I have two months, I have three months, I have six months until my MCAT. How do I create a schedule? And that's what we're going to jump into today. Joya, welcome back to the MCAT podcast. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm enjoying my break. Just breathing for a few more days. Yeah. So joy of the medical student, I think last time we talked, did you had just started medical school or was it before medical school? I think it might have been before. Yeah. I, I think it might have been before. So um, what is one tip that you would give someone uh, starting medical school now that you've been through your first semester? Ooh, um, a practice questions tracker document that practice. you start at the beginning. Yeah. I have yeah. like this Excel sheet where I have different tabs for the resources that I use, where I track the practice questions that I'm doing, not by like copying the questions, but by writing down like the topic and then what I got wrong or what I didn't understand or what I need to work on. Yeah. And then that's what I can look at almost like a cheat sheet of review stuff before I go into my next like study session. Interesting. That was really helpful. It's actually a tip I stole from my MCAT studying. It's the same thing as my like lessons learned journal that I kept during MCAT. Yeah. And it's super helpful. It's beautiful. It's a little overwhelming, <laughs> but mostly it was really helpful. Like the day before exams, I like ran through the things that I had written down as notes to myself. And because it's Excel or Google Sheets, I could like sort it. And I saw the topic that came up the most. And I was like, oh crap, that's the thing yeah. I'm going to like spend a little extra time on. It was really nice. I like DIY'd my own analytics that went across uniform, like across platforms because yeah. every third-party resource has its own tracker, but I wanted one that had everything together. And it's super low-tech, but it's really, really helpful. And it's like a nice little thing to look back at and be like, look how many things I learned. <laughs> look at all I know stuff. I've got, I've got like at least five facts up here, at yeah. least five. Yeah. I love it. For the, sure. the lesson learned journal, uh, just random side topic, uh, because we talk about it a lot here on the podcast, on the MCAT podcast for tracking how well you do on the MCAT 
is mm-hmm. something that I've wanted to build into Mapped, which is the, our our software platform yeah. where students track all of their courses, <laughs> and, uh, where students track all of their courses and activities and everything. Um, I I've been wanting to uh, build that in because we have the ability to to put your score in there, but having one place where you can you can uh, track all of that stuff, and then yeah. eventually over time we can give that that sort of analytics cross uh, test as well and get that data to go, well, it seems like Kaplan biochemistry is much harder because you do well on the Princeton and blueprint uh, biochemistry questions. So what's going on there? And be right again, that whole cross platform thing is, is missing. So, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. All right. So there you have it folks build a huge uh, lesson learned journal for all of the questions that you do in medical school and and do questions and do questions from the beginning. Yes. That was a important thing. Yes. Yes. Um, Awesome. All right. Well, it's exciting to, to see you progressing on. Uh, Maybe we'll, we'll have to bring you back at the end of every semester for you to do uh, do a a little semester update. Bring (laughs) me back a week after my new semester starts because then I can tell you if I passed or not. (laughs) That's, that's the the money information there. You passed. I passed the first unit. I I got my grades back for that one. So that was good. We have Today. lots. We have lots and lots of faith. Um, so we're going to record a block of uh, our next series of MCAT podcast episodes, all around building a study plan. It's mm-hmm. one of the most common questions that I see on Reddit and Student Doctor Network, and Student Doctor Network, and the Pre Med Hangout. Is how do I build a study plan? Whether it's three yes. months, four months, six months, whatever. And so hopefully these next several episodes, students will be able to go to and really help them understand what goes into making a study plan for those specific date ranges, those common date ranges that we have. When you think about your MCAT prep and and all the students that you talk to about MCAT prep, what do you think is the, the biggest challenge that students run into when creating a study plan? I think the biggest challenge is that people don't know how they use time. And so they make a study plan based on like, I don't really know what, but on an idea of how long they take to do things. And they either massively overschedule or they massively underschedule themselves. And then it becomes really hard to stick to or impossible to stick to. And then they get behind or they get off track and then they get discouraged and then it kind of snowballs out of control. And I've seen that happen a lot. I meet a lot of students who are like part of the way through their studying and then they come to my class or they become a tutoring student. And when I look back at what they've done prior, I'm like, oh my goodness, you just didn't like this, this schedule is for someone else. Like this schedule just wasn't actually made with your time use Mm -hmm. in mind or like your life in mind. And (laughs) I think, I think it's really hard because you don't know how you study this volume of information prior to the MCAT because you usually never have. It's like studying for all of your college finals at the same time. And, but like for all four years and also a few years that you didn't do and like someone else's major. Yeah. And it's on fire. And like, I think it's just a really overwhelming (laughs) thing. Like no one knows how to schedule for that. (laughs) Like no one knows. And I didn't either. My schedule was like way wonky the first couple months. I just like didn't know how much I would get through in a day. So I think that's a big mistake. And I think the other mistake is that people 
really don't know what they don't know. And so they underestimate how much time they need to spend on a particular topic or they overestimate how much time they need to spend on something else. And it, it again, throws off the balance. Yeah, the balance of the, the force you don't want to throw off. Um, it's one of the reasons that I loathe, I loathe the Reddit student doctor network posts that are, here's how I scored a 525. I'm like, great, that worked for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to work for everyone. And people will, it's students tough. will go to those threads and go, well, if that worked for her. Then it should surely work for me. And again, right. it's it's what are your life commitments? How do you study? Mm -hmm. How what else do you have in the world that's going on that's going to distract you? Whatever that you're not going to be able to fit specifically into this box that this one student has has professed yeah. to the world that this is how you should study. Yeah, I, I always I, I really didn't know enough about Student Doctor Network and Reddit to be on them when I was studying, which I think was a gift. Yeah. I found out later like what that universe is, and I was like, <laughs> oh. I feel like I missed the critical window to become a Redditor student doctor networker. Like the way that if you missed like certain cultural moments growing up, you're just like, it's cool, but like, it's just not, it doesn't have a, a hold on me. Yeah. And so that's where I'm at right now, which is good. Like knock wood, I'll stay that way. We'll yeah. see what happens when I study for step. <laughs> I make no promises. That's good. But that's something I noticed is like some people will make, statements like that. Here's what I did. You should follow it. Mm -hmm. And then I saw a few that I actually liked their phrasing, which is kind of how I give advice, which is if you like to study like this, mm -hmm. this particular piece of advice may be useful to you. Love if it. you have a life that looks like this, this particular piece of advice might be useful to you. And I'm like, I yeah. love that because it doesn't make any promises, but it also has the flowchart aspect, which I think is really important mm -hmm. because the first question I always ask students is, are you studying full time or do you have other stuff going on? Because yeah. that's a huge divergence point in what your study schedule has to look like yeah. because of the number of hours in a day. And if you try as a person working full time or being in school or having kids or all three to like take someone's 12 hour a day plan, it's going to fail. Yeah. Like it is, I feel confident saying <laughs> it's not going to work. You are going and to fail, yes. It's, well, you aren't going to fail, but that study plan is yeah. definitely not going to work for you. Yeah. And I think that's something that gets lost in in the online recommendations, especially yeah. when it's like people who don't actually know each other and it's not a live conversation. It's just like a copy paste of a PDF. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely needs to be a choose your own adventure style uh, process. And, and that's why I yes. really like the Blueprint free study planner tool because it asks you those very nuanced questions of like, what else you got going on? And how many hours a week are you planning yeah. on doing it? And what days of the week are you going to take breaks? And what other kind of places are you going to have issues? Um, and so that's that's a, a nice little plug for the Blueprint uh, study planner tool because that's free with a Blueprint MCAT account. Yes, it is. When students are thinking about prepping for the MCAT and they're, they're looking just broadly um, on, on how long they should study, it mm. seems like students too often look at best case scenario where I, mm -hmm. I like to think of it, and, and I'm not a very pessimistic person at all, but I think for this, you need to think of it more on the worst case scenario outline and go, Yeah, I, I would love to study 20 hours a day uh, with a full-time job and taking classes. And so that's what I'm going to plan out. That's what students do. And then, <laughs> and then they're like, well, I'm burned out. So that's what's, what's the right. problem? How did that happen? 
Yeah, I am a worst case scenario planner. And I think I became more that way after my own MCAT, which got rescheduled three times due to COVID shutdowns. So I definitely am a fan of like having multiple contingency plans. Um, I think a lot of students, I think they, they, they fall on two extremes. A lot of times there are students who are like, I'm going to study 20 hours a day. I'm going to be ready in three months. It's going to be great. I'm going to schedule my test for the last possible date and not start studying until three months before that. And I'm going to really push it to the edge. And then if, if one little thing goes wrong, then their entire application cycle falls <laughs> apart. Yeah. Or they're like, I'm going to study for two years <laughs> and I will not touch practice questions or full length until I am confident in 100% of my content. Mm -hmm. And then I meet them a year in and they're like, I'm extremely burned out and I don't know how to do this. And I'm like, how long have you been studying? And they're like, a year. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm so <laughs> sorry. Like, why? Because that is, I don't think I could handle studying for the MCAT for like a year straight and yeah. not burn out. And yeah. I don't think it would be yeah. quality studying past the point of like, I don't know, like even six months is, is long. I studied for nine because I had a three month extension on my initial plan. And that was rough. I was like really hitting a wall by the end of that nine months. That was not cute. Yeah. And I don't recommend it to anybody. So obviously we can't predict when a family member is going to die. We have some sort of trauma in our life that's going to throw yeah. us off the rails. What are things that we know as human beings life is going to pop up, uh, things that you should have thought about, you didn't think about? What are some mm. of those things that students are, are forgetting about when looking at making their plan? I think the the like, little bits of time that you spend doing stuff that add up and eat into your day. I think students are typically pretty good, or at least the students I've seen are pretty good at being like, I have a job. This is my work schedule. And I'm like, good. Okay. Block those times off. They're like, I have classes. This is my class schedule. Block that time off. But sometimes what they forget is my chemistry lab has this really annoying, I have to make a post every week about a thing. And it takes me like an hour and a half to get through all that and like put it up. They forget about like, the assignment time that comes with classes mm -hmm. or the week of my finals for school, I'm not going to study for the MCAT because I'm going to drown in my finals work. Or I work retail during Thanksgiving and should block off time for both Black Friday and the recuperation after it. <laughs> like those are things I think people forget or like they say that their life, their only life commitments are like work and school and they forget that they do things with their family on the weekends or like they go to their like religious institution every week or they have this other thing and they don't think about it because it's not an academic commitment, yeah. but it's time. Like time is still time, whether or not you're using it for school. And I think I've seen a lot of students like forget how, how deep that goes yeah. in terms of like the number of hours of the day that get crossed off. I'm like, you have to eat every day. Hopefully you shower relatively frequently. <laughs> like maybe you have like a pet that you have to take care of. Yeah. And those, that time adds up. And I think those are the things people forget that are actually predictable, but they don't register. They're like sub threshold noise mm -hmm. for people when they're trying to build a schedule. And then, you know, 12 hours a week that you do on stuff, it gets away from you yeah. when it goes, adds up over time. 
Yeah. In medical school, I worked the first several years of medical school to two plus years of medical school. I had to stop once I hit my surgery rotation um, third year. Uh, and the things that I didn't think about, I was like, oh, like the, the two hours that I'm going to go to the gym and work as a personal trainer over here, like that's just two hours away from studying. But I didn't mm. take into account the time that I had to stop studying, change into my uh, clothes make sure I had a meal ready to go, change yep. my mindset, drive the, the travel yeah. time, uh, go to work, make sure I'm there early, set up, do whatever I needed to do. And then at the end, winding down, small chit chat on the way out the door, getting back in the car, hitting traffic, whatever else, getting home and then transitioning again from kind yep. of one context to the next and go back into studying it would add an extra 50% of time onto that yeah. two hours that I was like, oh, it's only two hours. But like, no, it's really a lot more than that, that I it's never so much for. more. Yeah. I think I think we forget about that. And like, I didn't used to do this. But now in med school, I do. I'm still working. I'm still teaching for Blueprint. Usually I would prep my slides for my upcoming class and meet with my co-instructor and do all of that, send all my emails, check in with all my students, look at all of their things and make sure everyone was on track, like sporadically throughout the week. Now I have to schedule it. Like it's blocks of time I put in my calendar as busy because I don't want to fool myself into thinking I have an uninterrupted six hour stretch of time to study for classes when actually I have two classes that I have to prep PowerPoint decks for and like 17 students I have to email back. Like I don't want to forget about that. But yeah. I definitely didn't do a good job of that when I was studying for the MCAT and I was working then too. The like little out of work tasks really add up. And like I was teaching online, like I was tutoring high school students, which I still do and love, but I really wasn't accounting for like how much time you spend texting people back yeah. about whatever paper they're working on. I was like, this is time. Yeah. This is time that I'm not focused on the thing that I'm doing. I need to start blocking that time much more like explicitly, I think mm -hmm. is the most important word that I use with students is like, you need to very clearly demarcate. Yeah. the boundaries of your study time. And then you need to like tell people that. And the people who are typically going to be in and out conversationally, they need to know not to do that or you need to physically escape them. Like yeah. sometimes people are have no boundaries and will walk into your room and will bother you. And at that point, you got to leave the room or lock the door. <laughs> and like that's, it's it's a real challenge. I started putting my phone on do not disturb and telling the very anxious parents of my students, like unless it is, an emergency and by that i mean life or death you should not be calling me during these three hours and if it is a life or death emergency the number to call is 911 and not me. <laughs> not me i can't help um i'm so sorry and yeah. some people were really they found that really hard they were like what do you mean you're not going to answer my messages yeah. for three hours on whatever day of the week and i was like i mean that i'm trying to get into medical school yep. and i care about you a lot but I don't think it's going to be so time sensitive that three hours is going to make or break your kid's entire life. I promise it won't. And if it will, again, the number is 911, not me. Yeah. And I had to get really comfortable setting those boundaries, which I'm not still. I still struggle with it. Telling people that I was not going to work during my finals week was like it brought me physical pain yeah. to say, I cannot meet with your child this week. I can't and, yeah. I, and I won't. And that was really, really hard, but an important skill. And I think people often don't block that into their study schedule either. 
is like an understanding of the acclimation period it's going to take before their family, friends, boss, whoever, like gets on board with their new life. Mm -hmm. Um, That takes a little while. There's a, there's definitely an adjustment period where people push the boundaries. And if you don't have good boundaries, it's really hard to guard your time. Yeah. I, I think it was on this podcast at some point a while ago, we talked about like a, a study sombrero or or whatever type of, of hat you want to wear, where if I'm wearing this or if there's some random sign or whatever on my desk, like, do not bother me. Like, I'm going to leave yeah. my door open because I like my door open. But if you walk by and you see me wearing my sombrero or you see whatever sign up, like, I'm studying, do not engage. Um, yeah. So ba- boundaries are very, very important, uh, both in life yeah. and in studying. So I have so a skeleton, like a full life-size skeleton model, and I put him in my office door. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's his name? Or his, his name has changed. I, I don't know what his name is yet. I've been trying on various names to see what fits. Right yeah. now, his name is Spencer. Okay. Um, um, we had like Halloween-themed, like Mr. Bones stuff. Yeah. I don't know. He feels like a Spencer. That could change. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, So let's talk about for a minute, right? When, when we think about how long we should study, what should students take into account in in terms of maybe they're a non-traditional student and haven't taken Mm. their prereqs in two or three years uh, or more? Uh, Should, how much should that weigh into study time and length, uh, the score that someone wants. If I'm shooting for a 525 because my dream is to go to to Harvard or to NYU or whatever uh, versus someone who's like, I'll, I'll be happy with a 510, should that mm-hmm. determine study length? How do those variables work there? Uh, yes. The, yes. They all <laughs> very important. <laughs> the short answer is yes. The long answer is the first thing is to know your baseline, right? A 525 is not actually the most important number to know. Like your goal score is not as important as your distance from your goal score. And that's something I think, again, a lot of students are like, oh, what if I'm shooting for like this really high score? And I'm like, but what's your current score? If you come in on your diagnostic, if you come in hot at like a 510, that's a very different situation than if you come in at a 480 Mm -hmm. and you want the same goal score. So I think the first question when I talk to students about goal scores, is not just what's the score, but where are you right now? Because making up the distance of 10 points is very different than making up the distance of 30 points is very different than making up the distance of two points. And the closer you get to your goal, the closer you get to like whatever you want, the harder those last couple of points become to like get. You're really like scraping around trying to find what new thing you can tinker with. So I think the most important thing when you're making a study schedule is to have a diagnostic on the books is to have a score, even if it's the half length, that's fine. I like the half length because I think stamina is something you build over time and having a lower score on a full, full length just because of your stamina isn't really indicative of what you know. So I love the half length diagnostic. Blueprints free one is what I use. And that's where I started to be like, okay, here's how many points I need to make up. Here's the distance I need to travel. Now let me think about time. Let me look also at what I got right and wrong and what was fully unfamiliar, especially for those non-trads or people who maybe are not even non-trads, but are early in their undergrad year. I think the same advice applies to a junior in college as it does to a person several several years out. What is it that you don't know? Like, is it, I never took sociology and the terms are unfamiliar? That's a spate of memorization that you can do 
probably in a pretty short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Did you not take biochemistry? Do you have no idea what an amino acid is? That's going to be a much more in-depth amount of time that you need to spend learning that. Also, I really don't recommend trying to take the MCAT without some <laughs> biochemistry that was taught to you by not yourself. Yeah. Um, I think it's really hard. It's doable. I've seen people do it, but it's not like I wouldn't tell someone to do it on purpose. Yeah. Um, if that's the situation that you're in, you're just like, I just never took biochem and none of the schools I'm applying to want biochem and I, I won't take it. I'm like, you do you just, you need to know that that's going to extend your prep period mm. probably by at least a month, because if you're self-teaching a full discipline, that's going to be all content that yeah. you have to learn from scratch. And so I think knowing where you're at in terms of your score, but also in terms of your familiarity is really important. That's why that first review of your diagnostic is like crucial information because you'll have the analytics, whatever, they're very pretty, but that's not going to tell you whether mentally you recognized something and didn't really understand it. You recognize it, understood it and misread the question or it was a foreign language to you. Like yeah. the analytics can't tell you how you felt about the questions. And so those are, I think, the most important considerations to take into mind when you're planning, because the less you know about the academic discipline, the longer your content period of study is going to be. Yeah. I think once you get through content, the amount of time you spend on your actual like high question frequency, all I do right now is do AMC materials and practice questions and full lengths. Like that's true for everyone. That's usually around the same month. But the amount of time it takes you to get up to that is super variable based on where you're starting. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah, it's it's um as you were talking about, like it's it's not necessarily where you want to get to, but where you're starting from. It's like, well, uh, I love I love analogies. Like if if we all want to end up in Los Angeles, are are you starting from San Francisco or are you starting from yeah. Seattle? That that's gonna yeah. you're gonna have to take more time. Obviously, for starting mm -hmm. from further away. So um, that's a I love that's how a West Coast that, that whole analogy was. <laughs> you're like the only people that could ever want to go to San Francisco are all on the West Coast. I'm like, yes. what if you're starting from Philadelphia? Yes. yes. Like that's a whole. There's a layover. <laughs> You got to buy weird snacks at the airport that cost too much. There's a whole thing. Exactly. That I think is really, really important. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people forget that. Yeah. Um, which can be a nasty surprise or it can be a very pleasant surprise for those mm -hmm. students who come in at a much higher diagnostic than they were expecting. And they're like, oh, maybe I actually could up my goal, which is also a thing you can do. I'm flying um, private, sweet. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely met with a few students who are like, I assumed I would get a 472 yeah. on my diagnostic. And I'm like, there's something larger at play here when you assume that you'll get a zero. Like that means that your self-perception yeah. is either actually flawed or you're afraid to admit what you think of your own knowledge, which is fine. I'm not yeah. a therapist, but like, <laughs> That is something that I see that can sabotage students as well is a full misunderstanding of their own capacities can either make them overconfident or underconfident to a point of self-sabotage. Yeah. And I think that's something that you also have to plan time for. Like the emotional journey of studying for the MCAT and trying to get into med school is taxing. And if you don't have support or you've never dealt with self-doubt before, which is highly unlikely, but I'm sure there are some people who've had like dope lives out there who are never, never been insecure before. But like that also kind of takes it out of you. And you have to be like, be ready for that. Like the app process does not make you feel good about yourself yeah. at any point. Yeah. And 
that's like that can be overwhelming. I think that leads to a lot of procrastination for students. Definitely, definitely. Um, the other thing I want to to bring up is kind of going back to the being way too optimistic about nothing's going to go wrong and I'm yeah. going to have the perfect study study plan. Are the the students who will remove themselves from all of their other activities. They're not shadowing, they're not mm. getting clinical experience. And and they're solely focused on MCAT and maybe classes. And and I find that those students typically get burned out faster or easier than yeah. students who continue to go have somewhat of a normal life and they continue being around patients and being around physicians and reminding themselves on a weekly or daily basis why they're so studying so much for the MCAT. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts around that? I think that becoming a hermit for however long you study for the MCAT is like a recipe for burnout. I think it's reasonable to cut some things, um, but it's, I don't think it's reasonable to cut everything other than the MCAT in school. And I've definitely met with students who are like, I study 14 hours a day for the MCAT. It's all I do. I don't leave my house. That's it. And I'm like, are you okay? And I mean that very, very genuinely. Like, are you okay? Because I would lose my entire mind within a month. And I think a lot of people don't realize how crucial the rest of their life is to their mental health and to their perspective. And I also think that like, it's so much easier to forget your why if all you're doing is staring at MCAT material, which feels so distant from medicine. But if you have something to remind you, it doesn't have to be medical volunteer work or clinical work or employment. If you have just a regular anything to do, if you go play soccer once a week with your friends, like you need something. And I think people see this in med school too. I've talked to a lot of my own classmates who are like, I have no hobbies. I do nothing outside of school. And I, that makes me really sad. That sounds like it would be really, really hard. I made a point of staying. I joined an acapella group. Nice. I sing in an acapella group in New York. Um, it's great. It's a bunch of adults or a semi-pro group. We meet once a week. And it's it's me time. It's time that is fully divorced from anything having to do with studying. I take the train into Manhattan. I like hang out with a bunch of people who have nothing to do with med school. And I sing for a couple hours. And then I go home and I keep studying. But I really intentionally created that in my life. And when I was studying for the MCAT, I really intentionally created pockets of time that were not studying. And I needed that. And I think that is what kept me from burning out when I had to add three months onto my study schedule and veered into nine month territory, which I really didn't want to do. That is what kept me sane was having other things and people in my life. And I think that's an underutilized resource is people who don't know anything about medicine. You need to have some people in your life who do not care what an Efron is and you'll <laughs> never care what an Efron is. And that's crucial because at some point you're going to burn out on being around the anxiety of other pre-meds or med students. And it's that balance is so important. I think it also from a, if they're anxious students who are like, but I want to study all the time, thinking about it from a productivity standpoint, you will lose productivity if you yeah. burn out. It will not be quality study time. Even if you're staying on your 14 hour a day schedule, you're going to retain less if you're mentally completely exhausted and completely fried. So it's worth the two hour sacrifice a week to do whatever to give yourself better study time when you are studying. Mm -hmm. Breaks do make you study better. Sleep does consolidate information. Like these are real evidence-based things. And so I think a lot of students have the urge to like push away from common wisdom 
of like, you need balance and be like, but I don't need balance. I'm a machine. And I get that. I deeply identify with like all the robot characters in all <laughs> pieces of media. I'm like, yeah, Janet from The Good Place, I want to be that. But oh, even Janet that. from The Good Place had to learn how to have feelings. And I'm like, and you do too. So balance because it's good <laughs> for you, but also balance because it will hurt your ability to learn if you're burned out. Nobody learns well when they're burned out. <sighs> Holy forking shirt balls. That was a great, great forking discussion. Shirt ball. <laughs> oh, Janet. Oh, I love my. her. <laughs> well, I, I think that was a great, um, great intro episode to kind of this series. And we're, we're going to jump into different study plans. It'll be much shorter kind of uh, snippets for people. So hopefully this, this will help yeah. students kind of understand what to think about when potentially choosing uh, in our, our next episodes. Do I want the four to six months? Do I want the six plus month? Do I want the, the shorter one to three months? So <sighs> that's rock and roll. All right. There you have it. One of the things that I want you to do before ending this episode and going to the next one is go to blueprintmcat.com, sign up for a free account, completely free account, and you get access to their amazing study planner tool. The more that this tool is uh, is out there and known about, the more I see people going, go to Blueprint MCAT just on Reddit or Student Doctor Network or on, on our Facebook Hangout page. Everyone is saying, oh, just go create a schedule over at Blueprint MCAT. So go to blueprintmcat.com, create a free account if you don't already have one, and you'll get access to their study planner tool. We have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.